ministry of the word, let us open our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6. The book of Isaiah chapter 6. Look at your neighbor and say, how many chapters are in the book of Isaiah? Okay, tell him quickly, tell him, tell him. Tell him quickly. Tell him quickly. Some of our ministers are visiting, I mean, one of our former pastors in this church, uh, in this ministry here in Illinois, one of the foundation members of this ministry, she's visiting. She's a wonderful woman of God. Uh, it's Pastor Catherine, Catherine, <laughs> Mrs. Alonge. Shall we give her a God bless you? Okay. She was one of the original people that started this ministry. And she grew up through the ranks and the file and became a, a minister of the gospel, ordained here in this ministry with her husband who has been here also in recent times. He's a professor of a Greek engineering university of Uyo, Pastor Folani Adonge. He is also someone who was here. He has served in various capacities, chapel administrator, head of the department of intercessory and so many other positions. You know, grew up through the rank and through the file. We want to welcome you, ma, and thank you for coming. And in case you like the dresses I'm wearing, she's the one making them. She's now my, my consultant, my wardrobe consultant. Uh, she consults for me free of charge as at now. Uh, I don't know whether she can do that for you. But if you like this kind of clothes, talk to her. She's an expert at it. She specializes in it. That's part of what she's doing. She sells clothes. And she's doing very well in Uyo there. No, she's working in the university as an administrator in one of the departments there. And she's a very nice Kaba woman. Many Kaba women are not good people. But as for her, I give her Sadankata. You know. Come on, give her a God bless you one more time. <clears throat> Isaiah 6, verse 8. Just that verse. Isaiah 6, verse 8 says, Also, I had the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. By the grace of God, I will be using the topic, a clarion call, a clarion call. As the title of my message, or let me say, the clarion call, C-L-A-R-I-O-N. I will explain that with time, clarion call, the clarion call. Let us pray. Father God, we want to thank you for your loving kindnesses and your tender mercies. You have been a help in ages past, your hope for years to come. But more than anything else, you are present here in the time of need. Thank you as we approach the throne this morning to hear what you have to say. Thank you for the conference and the way it has gone. 
thank you for the impartation. Thank you for the motivation. Thank you for the challenge. Thank you for the inspiration. And thank you for the icing on the cake. And our, our desire and our expectation is that better shall be this end than the beginning. We give you glory. We give you praise for what you are going to say to us. And we receive it gladly and joyfully. To the glory and honor of your name. Thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The clarion call. As far as I know, God is at work all over the world. In various places, in various ways, doing various things. God is at work all over the world. I just came back for about three months walking visit to some countries of the world. And I always say this again and again, that one thing that motivates me is that God is at work. And that is one of the reasons why I also work so hard. Jesus said in John 5, 17, my father walked hitherto and I walk. God is at work in the world. In various places, in various ways, doing various things. He is also at work in his church, doing various things, bringing many souls into his kingdom, initiating revivals, and causing great impact across the globe. There are seven continents in the world. Six of them are habitable. I've had the privilege in the last 28 years to have visited the six continents of the world that are habitable. And I can tell you God is at work in the world, the world all over, to the remotest place. But more than that, he is also at work in his church, in all these places. God is at work. You will see his fingerprints, you will see his footprints. He is bringing people to the kingdom in various ways through various programs, conventions, seminars, outreaches, crusades, is bringing several, several into the, into the church and is causing revival. In some of the so-called Orthodox churches, there is a new wind of the spirit that is blowing. There is a new outpouring. God is causing revival and great impact is visible as to God's activity in the world and in the church. In God's work, both in the world and in his church, he's working with various men, with various gifts from various backgrounds. These men are also working for him. He's working through them and he's working with them. Working with them, walking through them and they are working for him both in the world and in his church because of the sheer size of what needs to be done in the world and in his church the greatest need of God in this hour is his greatest need is people because of what needs to be done his greatest need is people. He's looking for those whom he can send. 
is looking for those who can go for him. That is why the scripture we read said, I had the Lord singing, present continuous. Whom shall I send and who shall go for us? And Isaiah said, then I answered, here am I, Lord send me. That kind of statement that God made in Isaiah 6, 8, whom shall I send? Who shall go for us is what can be described as a clarion call. A clarion call. What is a clarion call? I will give you some definitions of a clarion call. A clarion call can be defined as a strongly expressed demand or request for action. A strongly expressed demand or request for action. Who shall I who shall I send? Who shall go for me? That is a request, a demand for action. A clear call can also be defined as a very clear message or instruction about what action is needed. It can be defined as a clear message or instruction about what action is needed. Whom shall I send? Who shall go for us? That is a clarion call. A clarion call can also be defined as an urgent call to action. An urgent call to action. When he said, whom shall I send? Who shall go for us? It's an urgent call to action. He wants people to act. He wants people to work with him. He wants people to work for him. He wants people he can work with. A clarion call can also be defined as a strong request for something to happen. A strong request for something to happen. He, God is requesting for something to happen. Whom shall I send? Who shall go for us? That is a clarion call. Another definition of a clarion call defines clarion call as a strong and emotional appeal to do something. A strong and emotional appeal. The prophet Isaiah said, and I had the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who shall go for us? That is a clarion call. It's a strong and emotional appeal for something to happen. Why is he saying, whom shall I send, who shall go for us? Because of the sheer size of what needs to be done. Because of the sheer size of what God wants to do through us, with us, and that we need to do on God's behalf, he is sending a clarion call out. Who shall go for us? Who shall I send? Finally, a clarion call can be defined as a strongly expressed demand or request for action. Who? Whom shall I send? Whom can I send? Whom will I send? Who shall I send as a messenger? That is a clarion call. God is in need of more people and more hands. I can tell you this. As I go all over the places, one thing I discover. 
God is in need of more people. As I look at even our ministry here, this church here, God is in need of more people. He's in need of more people to get involved, to get committed, to become part of the workforce. In the book of Proverbs chapter 8, verse 4, he said, unto men will I call. My voice shall be to the voice of men. A clarion call he made in Isaiah 68 was to men. Unto men will I call. My voice shall be to the sons of men. In Ezekiel 22, 30, he said, I search for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap. In Jeremiah 5, 1, he told the prophet, he says, Lord, go through the places I'm seeking for a man. When Sodom and Gomorrah was going to be destroyed, if God had found at least 10 men in Sodom and Gomorrah, he would never have destroyed it. But there were no people like that. So the clarion call is going out now and is ringing. Whom shall I send? Who shall go for us? In God's instrument case, in God's instrument case, man is an important, is an important tool. In God's instrument case, in terms of what God used to get his work go on and to get his work go out, man is an important tool in that instrument case. Psalm 17 verse 14 says, men are the hand of God. I was looking at the scriptures yesterday and I saw how God teamed up with Moses to liberate the children of Israel from Egypt after 430 years. I saw how God teamed up with Joshua to eventually take the children of Israel into their land of destiny and to divide the land among them. I saw also in the scriptures how God teamed up with Noah to make sure that his creation was preserved when there was a flood for 150 days on the face of the earth. Unto men will I call, my voice shall be to the children of men. People do not know this. People always talk about the fact that God is not limited. Yes, he's not limited as to his ability, but he's limited by the men who are available to work with him, to work for him, and that he can work through. I saw in scriptures that after Noah failed God, he teamed up again with Abraham to be able to proceed with his agenda. I can remember also after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the book of Judges, God teamed up with men. He teamed up with Othniel, with Deborah, with Gideon, with Jephthah, with Samson. He teamed up with Samuel, with Saul, with David, and a number of people. He has always used men. And one thing that he lacks most now are men. I'm not talking about men because of the quality. I'm talking about ordinary men. Because God does not use the golden vessels. He doesn't use the silver vessels. He uses ordinarily yielded vessels. Those are the kind of vessels that God used. When Jesus came to the earth, immediately he talked about his ministry. Matthew 4, 17. The time is fulfilled. 
the kingdom is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. The next thing he did was to begin to recruit men. He started recruiting men. From Matthew 4.18 to Matthew 4.22, he recruited four men. Four men who were relatives, who were brothers. And then in Matthew 9, he recruited another man who was a custom officer. When Apostle Paul was here, one of the most important things he did was to recruit men. So there is never anything about God's work that makes God's work suffer like lack of men. Unto men will I call, my voice shall be to the children of men. When this ministry started, the first thing I did was to recruit men. I didn't buy appliances, no speaker, no camera. There were no mixers, no amplifiers, no special equipments. I just went for men. And as I worked with the men and women that God gave me, then we started acquiring other things. But the first most important fundamental thing is man. And let me say this to you. It's important for you to realize that for you to get far, for you to get things done, you need man. It is not that you need special man, but you need ordinary men whose heart the Lord has touched. Men are so important. In the next few minutes, I want to look at the importance of having more men to God's work. God's work suffer from lack of men than any other thing. At times, it's not money that is the problem. It's men. In the beginning of this ministry, we had no money. But we had men and women who were ready to spend and be spent on the altar of their faith. We had men who put down their life. This church have always had men. All the vision we have carried out have been implemented by my mind. Look at the free driving school. One of our workers, he got hold of him by the name of Kyle Day, and he's doing with passion. He's traveling all over the places. Look at the volunteer drivers. Look at men. Look at men. Look at men. So the current call of this hour is, whom shall I send? Any ministry or person that disregards men, we have a great problem. Even if God is going to give you money, how will he give it to you? Through men. Luke chapter 6 verse 38, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over, shall men put into your bosom. Men are still God's hand. No matter when he said God gave me a house, he used man. God gave me a visa. He used man. God gave me a job. He used man. God gave me a, a husband, a wife. He used man. He used man. One foolish man I was talking to recently, very well over age, 48 years. And I introduced a sister to him. He said, I don't want matchmaking. I said, you are a fool. All of us met our wives and our husband to somebody. There was never anybody who met, who just met his wife and husband. Even if you met her in the bus, you went to greet somebody or you are coming from somebody. So men are still vital. We should not diminish the role of men and that's why your role is very important. And that is why the clarion call is coming to this morning. 
Whom shall I send? There is so much work to be done in this ministry. We have a lot of vacancies. We have a lot of things that people can do. But there are not enough people. Hey, okay, we have about 300 and something workers. That's not enough. What is the importance of men? Let me give you five different importance of men. The first reason why men are important is that the current quantity of workers are so little compared with the volume of work that needs to be done. The current quantity, number of workers are so small compared to the work that needs to be done. Let me say this to you. I am who you can call an itinerant minister. Somebody will go from one place to another place, from one ministry to another ministry, from one conference to another conference, from one country to another country, from one nation to another nation, as it were. I'm, I'm called an itinerant apostle of the New Testament. But you know what? We need many more people to do that. But not many people are willing to do that. I left the shores of this country on the 18th of April. I came back on the 24th of July. And throughout, without exception, at least standard, every Thursday to Sunday, I was preaching or training or counseling or ministering deliverance or laying hands on the sick and so on and so forth. And we need people like that. Whenever I've gone to a place and I can see the revival, I went to Leeds. When I got to Leeds, I gave an altar call for people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. In a church of 200 people, over 180 people came out, including the pastor's children. After I finished ministry, in fact, the son of the former governor of this state, who happens to be an Elohim man from Idiakwe, got born again in that service and got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And he sang in tongues and prophesied. I was so encouraged. After we finished, one young man came to me and said, you have brought, he said, we are 11 years in this church. He said, you have brought revival. This morning, early this morning, I was chatting with the pastor of the church. He was telling me that he was getting ready for service. And that every time when he gets ready for service, I always pray that that grace that he saw when I came will rest upon him. The hotel where I stayed, after I left, he went and stayed there for three days. Lying on the bed there. I told him, I said, that's not the way it is transferred. I said, there are many more things you need to do for the transference to occur. What I'm saying is this, we need people like that. But how many people are really, really ready to do that? Who shall go? When the clarion call was made, how many people asked one? How many people answered? The question was a general question. Whom shall I send? Who shall go for us? And Isaiah said, and I answered and I said, here am I. He didn't say, here are we. Laborers are few. Compared to what needs to be done, and the laborers that are available, there is so little. The driving school, we told you, we have a lot to do. We have a number of hours to cover. But we have few drivers. The extramural school we have here in these premises. We need more people who are going to volunteer as teachers. But everybody wants to work for a fee. Everyone will want to get paid for serving God. For doing something free. 
Everybody wants remuneration. But you see, that is why the clarity God said, whom shall I send? There are fewer laborers compared with the volume of work that needs to be done. Every time when I leave a community, by the time I finish, they said, we book you again next year. I said, ah, let, let me at least rest. So I go somewhere and say, no, you have to come home. And how many days do we have in a year? And I can tell you the reason is that not many people are willingly ready and yielded and available to do this work. Let me go further by saying this. The second reason why men is important is that there is a need of people with other gifts. We need other gifts in this church. But let me say something to you. There is a need for people with other gifts, which many people who are not currently participating have. God told me years ago, he said, there are certain people I brought here with certain gifts. He said, I brought them here because I know you, know you need their gift. He said, but their mere presence is not enough. They must say, here am I. Send me. Non-negotiate salary. Non-negotiate remuneration. There are no terms and conditions apply. There are people with other gifts. We need the gift to have a complete church. And they are here already, but the gifts are not being volunteered. The people who carry this gift, God has already given us gifts as men. He has already given us gifts as men. But of all the gifts as men that he has given us, only a few have come out. Only a few have stepped out. When we say we need volunteer drivers, do you think it's only those six people that can drive? Do you think it's only those six people that can volunteer? But it's only those six people that say, here am I. Other people have other engagement and entanglement. That is why men are important. Because everyone has a gift. First Corinthians 7, 7 says everyone has his own proper gift. First Peter 4, 10. He said, as every man has received the gift. Whether you know it or not, whether you have put it at the disposal of this church or not, you have a gift that this church needs. You have a gift that this church can use. You have a gift that God's work can use. Whether that gift is being used or not is a completely different thing. But that is why we need men. Because men are gifted. When I say gifted, I'm not talking about being able to do something extraordinarily well. I remember one of my very good mentors, in business and management said this to me. He said, whatsoever is what doing, is what doing, is what doing poorly. He said, don't always look for the experts. Look for the willing hands. The willing hands will learn on the job. The expert may put a price and have a price tag. But the faithful willing hands will learn on the job and we get better. So why are men so important? Men carry gifts. The work is much. We need more men. Number three, why is it that men are important? Because more, with more men, more and better things should be done over a shorter period. One will chase a thousand. Two will chase ten thousand. With more men, we will do more. With more men, we will do a fine job. 
if 10 people were to sweep this room, it's different from if three people were to sweep this room. With 12 people, you get it done faster. And with 10 people, you get it done better. Because the 10 will not have a lot of area to cover. And so their strength will not get decayed. That's why we need more men. So that we can do more and do better over a short period. The fourth reason why we need men is because of the problem with the harvest. The problem with the harvest. You see, if we don't have enough people and we cannot get the job done quickly, the harvest will waste. Let me tell you a little story. Some years ago, I was into beans farming. I was farming beans and granite while I rode my Suzuki 100. OY 8405Y. I was farming beans. So my things, as it were, got ripe and got dried up. And I had to repeat. I tried to get other people to join me to repeat for free. Whom shall I send? Who shall go for me? Many people did not show up. By the time I had worked with the other person who volunteered with me, we had worked for three days, the bean pod opened on its own and the seed fell into the ground. And instead of us being able to reap it, the beans replanted itself without our requesting him to do so. So if the harvest is not reaped on time, there is a time limit for the harvest. If souls that are ready are not reaped, they will go to a lost eternity. That's why we need more men. We need more men. We don't have all the time in the world. We don't have all the time. Time is against us. So many things that would have been done in the 90s, in the 20th century, are now being scratched. At times when I go to some communities and I see the level of Christian witness, I said, what? Look at this community. Look at the level of Christian influence witness. It's so low. And these are towns that have been there since the 15th century, 16th century. So you can imagine how many people in that town have died without Christ. Because there are no laborers to reap. Without laborers to reap the harvest, the harvest is wasted. Time is against us. There are so many things that we can do. And that's why God is sending out a call, emotional, strong appeal. Who shall go for us? Who shall we send? So the fourth reason why men are important is because of the problem with the harvest. If the harvest is not reaped on time, it will be wasted. The fifth reason why men are important is because of the power of the harvest. If we have more laborers, we will have a greater impact. The power of the harvest. If we have many more people winning souls, if we have many more intercessors, if we have many more people in the evangelism department, if we have many more people inviting people, if we have many more people following up people, if we have many more people doing deliverance for people, if we have many more people reaching out, we will have a greater impact. The harvest will be powerful. The power of many more people is that they do much more and the impact is much more. Ladies and gentlemen, 
This is the clarion call this morning. Who shall go for us? Who will I send? And Isaiah said, here am I. I can only talk about myself. Lord, send me. After people heard it when God said it, because he never said it once, he said, I heard the Lord saying. You can even read down. When you read down, you will see what he said in verse 9. And he said, go and tell these people, hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see you indeed, but perceive not. In other words, he was not the only one that had it. What I say unto one is what I say unto all. Whom will I send who shall go for us? This morning, the question is, how will you respond? How will you respond? How are you going to respond? It is not what God said that matters, but look at how do you respond. This morning, you have to respond somehow. This morning, Isaiah said, and I said, he said, then said I. That was his response. Here am I. Lord, send me. What does it mean when we say respond? Respond. To respond simply means it means what you say or what you do. In reaction, in reply, in answer to somebody or something or to a given demand or request that is placed on you. What is your response this morning? How will you respond? How will you respond? Are you going to say, here yeah, my Lord send me or how will you respond? I want to give you a little bit of encouragement and guideline as to how to respond. Number one, please, for God's sake, I beseech you by the mercy of God, respond to that call in the best way possible. Respond to that call in the best way possible. You will see that Isaiah's response was in the best way possible. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Here am I. You have the gift. And when God is saying to your hearing, it's because he wants your response. He doesn't want to force you. He made us as free moral agents. We can choose what we are going to say and what we are going to do. In reaction, in reply, in answer to something or somebody or request that is placed on us. You know, I'm thinking this morning, someone would respond to God in the best way and say, God, send me anywhere. Send me to do anything. Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. In other words, to any place, to do anything, Anytime, here am I presenting myself a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. I always say this to people, the extent to which God can use you will be determined by the extent to which you respond in the best way. If you, don't, if you respond like Jonah responded, 
There's a limit to how far he can send you. A limit to how much he can use you for. For God to send me to the nations of the world and the six continents of the world, it's because of my yieldlessness, my surrender. Respond in the best way possible. Number two, respond quickly. Learn how to be swift in your response. Don't let God say it two times. Don't let him say it three times before you yield. At the end of this service, I'm going to give that call again. Who shall we send? Who shall go for us in deliverance, in evangelism, in follow-up? Who shall go for us? The early founders and foundation members of this ministry had no ability. They only had availability. They were just ready to go anywhere, to do anything, anytime, anywhere. Send me. They were real arrows in the hand of a mighty man. They were willing. They never selected the assignments they were given. They never argued. They never debated. They never contended. They never argued. They never said, no, I prefer this to that. I prefer that to this. No. Then their response was always swift. Before you call, God says, I will answer. Isaiah 65, 24. If you are now supposed to be imitators of God as their children, then we must be quick in our response. Who shall go for us? Who shall I send? Let your response be quick. Be swift. James 1, 19 says, be swift to hear. Be swift to hear. I, Psalm 62, 11. Once he said it, twice I had it. Not according to what Job 33, 14 says. He said he said it once, he said it twice, but you did not respond well. Who shall go for us? Oh, because of the experience I have, we need people, brothers. We need people, sisters. Many of us have settled down into lifestyle that have no eternal rewards. You settle down into a marriage and because of that you are tied down. You settle down into a secular job and because of that you will not say, here am I, send me. You settle down into a big city and you cannot say, here am I, send me. You settle down. You settle down. You stay there. A thousand years from now, what seems to be so important to you will matter nothing. Settle down into a job. And that job has taken over as your Lord. Number three, I will encourage you, respond positively. When that, when Isaiah said, and I answered, Isaiah said, then said I, here am I, send me. That's positive. There were other people whose responses were not like that. Other people were there, but their response was not like that. When we said we need volunteer drivers, there were people that came. Listen to this. When we said we need volunteer drivers, so many people came, they thought we were going to pay them. So when we told them that there is no pay, you are going to be teaching and training these people free of charge, they departed. And they went to their own place. Like the scriptures we say. Look at that kind of response. Is that positive? 
You lay your hands and you look back because there's no remuneration. The greatest reward is not physical. It's eternal. Psalm 58 verse 11, the Lord rewarded the righteous. Proverbs 11, 18, to him that sweat righteousness shall be a sure reward. Sure reward of God is greater than any other reward. I always stand amazed as one people what Christians cannot see that eternal reward is greater than temporary reward. Temporary reward are for this season and time. Eternal reward are for the life that now is and the one that is to come. Why do I get all my reward here on earth when I can lay it up in store against the time to come? There in heaven, the treasure house. Respond positively. We need people to serve tables. Respond positively. We need people to clean the church. Respond positively. That could be why God brought you here. Evidently, God did not bring here all of us here to preach. Or else, what kind of a church will we have with some of you who cannot even preach? God brought you here with your own gift. You have your own proper gift. You have something that makes you unique and special. You have something that nobody else has. And God brought you here because of your uniqueness. As our faces are different, our fingerprints are different, our retina readings are different, so our gifts are different. And there is a room for your gift in the kingdom and in this church. If only you respond. Respond first. I always say this to people. It is not all the people that are singing in the choir that are the best singers in the church. There are people who can sing better. But they have never responded. They have never responded. Except instrumentalists are going to be paid. Except as a keyboardist I will be paid. Except as a guitar player I will be paid. I always say this to people. In the very beginning of my Christian testimony, I had no desire for any physical, natural reward. I just wanted to serve. I just wanted to be sent by God. Do you know what it is when you said God sent someone? Whom will I send? He lacks them. He's looking for. Who will I send? At times in this church, I'm looking for someone to send to do something. I'm looking for someone to help out with something. And I can't find. Not because there are no human beings. Not because there are no gifted people. Of course, there are people with such gifts. But why? They won't step forward. They are too concerned about I, me, myself. The evil trinity of self. I, me, myself. They are too concerned about themselves. Whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall give his life away shall save it. The best way to save money is to invest it. The best way to conserve your life is to invest it in something that is greater than you. Let me encourage you. Number four, respond even when you are under pressure. Well, Respond well under pressure. 
I'm going to talk a little bit about that still in the future. And today, as I round up this program, as this message, respond well under pressure. Financial pressure, academic pressure. Some people, once exam comes, they shut down. Respond well under pressure. You need God's help to pass. Respond well. When you are not even, when you are between jobs, you don't have a job. Respond well. When things are tough or rough, because that is when God is looking at you most. Out of the furnace of affliction, that is when the greatest promotion comes. Respond well under pressure. When there is no money, that is when to give more. When there is no time, that is when to give more. Respond well under pressure. Another thing I will say is this. Respond the way Jesus would have responded if he were in your shoes. Jesus said the same thing the prophet said. Someone said it like this. He said in heaven, when the time to redeem man came, God was discussing with the host. He said, I'm looking for someone who is going to go to the earth and suffer so that man can be redeemed. He said, God was thinking about it. He said, and Jesus stood up and said, send me, Lord. Send me, my father. He said, nobody take my life. I lay it down and I take it up again. Hebrews 10, 7, Hebrews 10, 9. He says, lo, I come as it is written of me in the volume of the books to do your will. He sent his son. His son was willing to come. His son did not come grudgingly. If it were Jesus, how will he respond to the invite? Who will I send? Who shall go for us? If it were him, how will he respond? Respond like that. A disciple cannot be greater than his master. John 13, 15. He said, I have given you an example, as I have done. Even so do ye. First Peter 2.21, Christ have given us an example, uh, an example that we should walk in his steps. Whom he did for no, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Colossians 3.10, we are renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created us. Respond the way Jesus will have responded. Respond the way Jesus will have responded. And you know what? You are a Christian. That means Christ-like. So what is a Christ-like response? Here am I. No, send me. God told me this. He said there are many people that I have desired to send the way I have sent you to the utmost part of the earth. He said they will not just allow it. They will not just allow it. Don't ever let me tell you that what I'm doing is easy to do. But when you are willing and you are submitted and you are obedient, then the yoke is easy and the body is light. Don't ever let me tell you that. I love a sedentary life where you sit down, eat, drink in your house, sleep, come to church, preach. I was like that for about two, three years. And I love that life. I will preach Wednesday and I will stop. I say we'll continue next Wednesday. 
but I don't have that luxury anymore. And I always wonder, God, are you not going to still raise up people who said, I am, I am sending them the clarion call. Who shall go for us? Whom will I send? Say, but they will not just respond. Say, some of them are settled down into marriage. How much worth will your marriage be in the next hundred years? Some of them are settled down into their job. How much worth will your work be in the next 50 years? Some of them have settled down to their businesses. Of what worth will your work be in the next 50 years? But there is a way you can do what counts without stopping to count them. Who shall go for us? God said I need people to go for us. I'm not going to be able to, to go out there physically myself. Who shall go for us? A clarion call. A strong emotional request or demand for action. Your gift is due to be used. Your gift is important to the world in which you live in. I don't have a better gift than anybody else. But I use mine. You remember the parable in Matthew 25? How a man was given a pound and others were given. And how that man went and hid his own. Look at that response. Hiding. Another one used what he had. One thing that makes mine to be the way it is. Is that I've been using it. I've been polishing it. One reason why yours is the way it is. Is that you're only ready to sell it. And if you can't get a buyer then you probably will not willingly sell. I was telling someone, I said, the greatest people whom I've met who sing and who minister and worship never ask for a pay for them to come and sing for you. The ones that ask for a pay are called hirelings. Emba, do not do that. 350 new. I said 300. Ah, 50,000. You will not begin to argue. Before long, God always set those people aside. I can tell you this. I've seen it again and again and again and again and again. Longevity of use is a product of willingness to do what needs to be done. How do you respond? Respond well under pressure. Respond like Jesus. Respond appropriately. What is appropriate response? Who shall go for us? Who shall I send? Appropriate response is, here am I. Because my life is in his hands. My life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself. That's appropriate response. Denying God of your gift is inappropriate. Denying God of a positive response is inappropriate. What is it that you have that you did not receive? What is it that you have that you did not receive? A proper response is to respond positively. Ladies and gentlemen, in the next few minutes, I want to look at some six things, six, just six things. Because at the end of today, I want to give an altar call. I want to give that call. Who shall go for us? 
Who shall we send? I want to give an altar call for people to lay down their gifts on the altar of this church. I say, God, I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use. God does not use you and you become useless. God uses you and you become useful, not useless. That is why the Bible said in Psalm 92 verse 14, in old age, you will still be fat and flourishing. In old age. In old age, young people will have retired. Yesterday I was, I was in an interview and they asked me, they said, when are you going to retire? I said, retirement is for people who are tired. Retire. I said, and that is one word I didn't find in scriptures. Because the Bible said, better shall be the end of the thing than the beginning. So what is there to retire from? Revelation 14, 13. Blessed are they that die in the Lord. They will rest from their labor. What is it that brings retirement? Death. Let me die the death of the righteous. Let my end be like. When you look at scriptures, you will not see anybody who retired and went to the village and was doing farming before they died. You will see people who are active. Active to the last minute. I was listening to a reverend father recently who was preaching in North Hour. I don't know whether some of you saw the video. This old priest, Catholic priest, was preaching, old man. He was preaching and talking about the coming revival, the greatness of God, the power of God. And as he was preaching, he just slumped and, wow, when he gets to heaven, the landing lights we put on for him. He was not sitting somewhere near Atibaba. One of my greatest mentors from a distance and whom I got to meet in life, can I think of that in 2003? The very morning that he died, he preached. And after preaching, he came to the house and they said, Well, there is breakfast. I said, No, I'm not going to eat breakfast today. I'm going to heaven. Preach in the morning. Say, I'm not going to eat breakfast. I'm going to heaven. And he went into his room and slept on the bed, and that was how he went to heaven. Now that is retirement. Retirement is not when you still have physicality, and then you retire to the, to the farm, and then they come there and kidnap you. And then the money that is not available, people will have to begin to look for it. No, that's not it. But a child of God, the Bible says, an Abraham was very old, Genesis 24:1, and God had blessed him in all things. The same thing with Jacob, the same thing with the patriarchs, the same thing with the apostle Paul. He said, I'm not ready to be offered. Tell my departure is there. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. They retired to somewhere. John the divine. They banished him to the island of Patmos. That was where he got the greatest revelation of his life. 
the book of Revelation. He wrote, wrote it at the age of 96. Billy Graham was still preaching recently at the age of 95. What is there to retire from? Age number is a figure. Government can retire you because the figure is not strong enough. Your body, worms can eat, but your spirit is renewed day by day. For this cause we fail not 2 Corinthians 4 16. Though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. Ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you these questions. What comes first in your life as a believer? What is it that comes first? I'm asking a simple question. I want you to examine yourself in the light of these seven questions I'm asking. What comes first in your life as a believer? For me, what comes first is what I'm doing, serving. It comes first. It has always been first. Another question, what occupies most of your time? <laughs> I mean, what do I spend time on? Praying, reading the Bible, what occupies most of my time? Look at your division of time and you will know the God you are serving. First John 5, 21. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Number three question. What is the last thing you would ever give up? Serving. That's the last thing I can ever give up. That's the last thing. Take everything from me and I'll give it up to you. But to serve God, I can't give that up. I'm not going to give it up for, I will not trade it for silver or gold. To give up serving. Another question is this. On what is your, on what is your heart set? What is your heart set? My heart is set on the love of God. Psalm 91 verse 14. He said because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. My heart is set on God. Not on this world, things in this world. My heart is set on God. I was telling somebody, I said, I'm not working anymore because of food or to pay school fees or to pay rent. You know what I'm serving? It has become my life. You know why I'm still traveling? I don't need the money. I went somewhere, one pastor was begging me, please. I said, ah, sorry. I said, this is not the real thing. I said, I'm serving because it's appropriate. For someone like me, if I don't serve, what will I do? What will I be doing? All my children are finished from university. They are now on their own. House, I have houses all over the place. But I, I, and so there is nothing. So why are you still serving? Because it has become my life. If I don't serve, I grow sick. If I'm not working for God, I, I grow, I, I think I'm irrelevant. I be, begin to feel useless. Useless. Ask yourself this question. On what is your heart set? What is your heart set on? Three more questions here. On what do you spend most of your money? <laughs> you know what? At the end of every year, I look at the amount of money I spend in traveling to do programs. I discovered that my, most of my money is still spent on serving. Tickets, bus, Bibles, softwares. 
hotels, where I'm serving. I look at my budget. Every year, I look at my tithe, I look at my income, and I look at the amount of money I spend on trips. A first class ticket from here to London is $9,000. From here to the US is $15,000. And virtually every month I'm there, all over the place. And you see that? So when I look at it at the end of the day, I know that's still what I spent. Is it clothes? All these clothes I'm wearing, my clothes are here. How much did I pay? Shoe. Look at it. The ones I have, will I destroy it because somebody's selling shoe? I asked somebody, say, I said, what are you selling? Say, I'm selling shoe. I said, it's a pity. Look, I have too many shoes. Will I destroy it because you're selling shoe? I said, let me destroy this shoe because this woman is selling shoe. I said, these people like me, you won't, you won't have anything to sell. Though. I still looked at my expenditure and I looked at and calculated my giving to the gospel. The prices of the various hotels, I say, I have a way in which everything goes to a particular card and I can see it. And I say to myself, wow, I never knew. But is that the same with you? Some of us are spending money on our, on our mud, mud building. You call it house. Ogba attachment is 200,000, sorry. A young boy came to me and said, I want to do liposuction. I said, may God wire your head. With how much? $15,000. A young boy was married. I looked at his stomach. I said, your stomach is not one over ten of my own. He said, but you see, I want, to, I want it to reap. I said, reap? Then give somebody a knife to reap it for you. He said, no, I want to do liposuction. And he went and wasted $15,000. And he came back, he said, let me show. I said, don't show me here yet. I said, show God. It's mud. This $15,000, you can invest it in souls, in the kingdom. What do you think about the most? What is it that occupies your thoughts most? What do you think about the most? <laughs> I remember that I was talking to a young man. He was telling me that he could not sleep because he was thinking about his girlfriend. Set your affections on things we are above. Not on things on the earth. I said the Bible tells us what to think of. What sort of things are good? Philippians 4 8. If there be any battle, if there be any praise, think on these things. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You see, when you are serving and your thought is always about serving, how can I get better? How can I preach better? How can I minister under a better unction? How can I develop my faith? How can my faith in the anointing grow? How can I mature them all so that God can use me for greater exploits? How can I? Those are the things that should occupy your mind. Then lastly, let me say one more thing. What would you like to change about your Christian life? What do you want to change about your Christian life? Let me say it like this. I think what 
many of us should want to change about our Christian life today is about our serving. Who shall go for us? Who shall I send? Whatever answers you give to this seven, we help you to make the proper response that you need to make to the demand of the Almighty. I was looking at these seven questions yesterday. I wrote down these questions in 1996. I saw it in one of my daughters. I saw it in 1996. And I looked at it and I said to myself again, these are the exact things that I said. It's still the same thing with me. What my heart is set on, what I spend on most, what I focus on, what I'm thinking of, it's still the same thing. Now, quickly, as I round up this message, the clarion call is, whom will I send? God will never send people that he has never equipped. But I want to quickly look at about six or seven excuses that many people give in an attempt to exonerate themselves from making themselves available to God. Who shall I send? I want to deal with what some people do not respond well to God's clarion call. Number one, some people think they do not have the personal competence or personal qualifications or personal qualities that is needed for God to use them. You have never seen yourself in terms of your spiritual capability and capacity. I used to be like that. When God told me, I have called you, I have chosen you, I have ordained and anointed you to take my word to the nations, emphasizing its integrity. I said to myself, I don't think I have what it takes. I don't think I have what it takes. But you see, the point is, you don't even need to have anything that it takes. All he wants is availability. Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. Here am I. Isaiah by then, if you look at chapter 6 very properly, from the beginning, he, was, he had nothing that was good. He said, I am a man of unclean lips. I live in the midst of the people of unclean lips. My eyes have... He said, woe is me. In other words, there's nothing good about me. When God told me he was taking me to the nations, I was like Moses. When God told Moses, Exodus 3, 11, Moses said, who will I say send me? Who bomb monkey? When God told him again that you are going to go, Exodus 4, 10, he said, look, I am slow of speech and a slow tongue. I am a color me. In other words, I have no personal qualities or competence. When God told Jeremiah that before I formed you and did you, before I brought you forth, 
I ordained you as a prophet. Jeremiah said, excuse me, Jeremiah 1.6. He said, I'm a child. I cannot go. I remember when I called Victor in 1990. He was just about 17 years old. A little going to 18. I said, Victor, you're going to go to Ibadan. You're going to pastor our church. Ah! He said, Ibadan. I said, yes. By then, he had never gone beyond the Loring. And probably his village, somewhere, uh, Odoire. He said, Ibadan, I said, yes. He said, I'm, I'm a child, sir. Let me stay at home a little bit more. I said, you don't need anything. Just like God said to Jeremiah, you will go to the place I command. And the word that I give you, you will speak. Here am I then. Send me. I laid my hands on him, prayed, sent him. He went to Ibadan. He conquered the place. People got to know. In one year, the whole church was about a thousand five. That is what it takes. No personal qualification. Age is not the issue. Bible school is not the issue. Because you've got 90% in foundation of faith, does not mean you have faith to move mountain. Because you've got 85% in, uh, in deliverance, does not mean demons are still not oppressing your mind. Gideon said, in the book of Judges 6.15, when the angel of God said, Mighty man of valor, I'm going to send you. He said, please talk to somebody else. Who. He said, my family is very small in Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. Forget about me. Personal qualification. Let me say this to you. You need nothing. You need nothing. All you need is, here am I. Here am I, send, how many of you know that song? Here am I, send me, for the Lord wants somebody. Here am I, send. When I told God that I was willing and ready, and I yielded myself absolutely to him, it was then I started seeing. That he was able to make all grace abound towards me. That I have insufficiency in all things. Many of the things you have, they are in latent form. They are not visible. But you're volunteering. You're putting yourself down. Your availability and yieldedness will quicken, will quicken God's ability in you. Second Corinthians 3, 5. We are not sufficient of ourselves to think ourselves to be anything. Our sufficiency is of God who has made us. Jesus told the apostles, follow me and I will make you. Make you. They follow. The Bible said that we are ignorant and unlearned men. Buruntu. Even the way they behave, you can see that they are ignorant and unlearned. In fact, the people who talked about them, they said they knew them. And they knew what being with Jesus had done to them. So there is nothing like ability God is looking for in anybody. You can go to the nations the way I went. There is nothing inherent in me, my background of who I am, that qualifies me better than you to do exactly or to do better than what I am doing. 
Amos said, I'm a shepherd. I'm a pick of sacrament fruits. Amos 7:14. He said, I'm neither a prophet nor a prophet's son. I'm none of these things. I'm not a prophet nor a prophet's son. Nothing in my background. Nothing in my genealogy. Nothing in me. You know, at times when I go to places and, you know, they honor me and, and when I get into my hotel room and I stand in front of the mirror, I begin to laugh. When people just lie down like that, I always say, when I get to the hotel, I say, do I look different? Yeah, standing there. At times I wear clothes, at times I don't wear clothes. I see it that this morning, and I was laughing. I said, look at, look at it. The great man over there. One day I started to record the sound that I make when I sleep. Hey. You won't buy me for five dollars. The various way I was changing tone. I forget cola not in the mouth. Sleep with it, wake up to it a little and go to bed again. He doesn't need any ability. Who shall go for us? We are sending at the backers. Who will go for us? Who shall I send? And I said, here am I. With whatever capacity he was, he was ready. Number two, the second reason why some people have not been responding well is this. They said, let me do something first. Let me do something first. I want to go to school first. I want to marry first. I want to work for government until I'm tired first. First Kings 19, verse 19 to 20. When Elijah took his mantle and put it on Elisha, Elisha said, please, let me go home and greet my father and my mother. Let me kiss them. Elijah said, look, if you want to go back, go back. In other words, there's no time for such things. In Luke, Gospel chapter 9, verse 59 to 62, Jesus told one man, he said, follow me. You know what that man said? He said, let me go and bury my father. He thought Jesus was going to be sentimental. He said, hey, yeah, Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. You go and preach the kingdom. If there is anybody that should be attended to first, who should the person be? Is it not God? In 1 Kings 17, when, I, when, when the prophet of God, Elijah came and saw the widow, he told the widow, he said, please go and give me water. As the widow was going, he said, please make sure when you are coming, you come with a muzzle. 1 Kings 17, you read from verse 12. The widow said, I don't have anything. He said, go prepare for me first. You see that word first there. Let me do something first. If there is anybody that needs to be honored, is it not God? Malachi 1.6, a son honored his father. A servant feared his master. If I'm your servant, where is my honor? If I'm your master, where is my honor? If I'm your father, where is my fear? If I'm your master, where is my fear? If I'm your father, where is my honor? There is another that says, 
on differ. In other words, arrest says come. And then you say, please let me consult the oracle first. No, 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 you don't need oracle. I like oracle. Let me do something first. Let all the children be in school first. Let me graduate from school first. Whoever told you that these things cannot be combined? Whoever told you that doing one negates your ability to do another one? Whoever told you that you can't raise children and still be faithful in church and still serve in the choir? Whoever told you that? The capacity of the human ability is so great that we have not explored even up to 10% of what we are capable of. I want to do something first. Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. 1 Samuel 21, 8, it says, The king's business requires haste. You need to do what has to do with the king first. Let me say this to you. Anything that you need to do first, instead of what God wants for you is an idol. First John 5, 21. He said, little children, keep yourself from idols. Jesus called another man. Still in Luke chapter 6. By the time he read verse 60, and he said to one other man, follow me. And the man said, please let me go home. And greet those who are at home. Bye-bye, and then I'll come and follow you. Jesus says, no man put his heart on the plan. Looking back, his feet. If there is anything that is worth doing first, it is, here am I. Lord, send me. A thousand years from now, what you are doing now will not count anything. What you are doing now will not mean anything. And I want to stay with my wife at home. A thousand years from now, it won't mean anything. And I want to, uh, my work, my work, my work in the bank. Ten years from now, it will mean nothing. It will mean nothing. Whatever is done for God is the most internal thing can ever be done. Let me do something first. Should never be. God says in Matthew 10, Jesus speaking, verse 37 and 38, he said, whosoever loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whosoever loveth husband or wife more than me, whosoever loveth children and work more than me is not worthy of me. He's not worthy of me. God's claim on our lives is greater than our possession and our position. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Keep yourself from idols. If you say you love God, honor him. When the Bible said honor the Lord with your substance, it means put him first. For as long as you have life and you have it the way you have it, the best use into which you can put it is in God's service. The best use of life is to use that ability you have to get people into the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I must walk the walk of he that sent me while it is day. John 9, 4, for the night cometh when no man can walk. Who 
name shall I send. I'm going to give an altar call today. And I expect you to come and lay yourself down before God here. And say, here am I. Send me. Just send me. Send me anywhere. Send me to do anything. As I travel the world, I see many people who have been sent by God from various nations, from various backgrounds, working with God, working for God, God working with them. Working with them all over the world. All over the nations, in the body of Christ. I see many people like that. And I always look with tears in my eyes. I sit down and hear their story. At the age of 16, some of the young girls and boys, 16, 17, 18, 19. You are not too young if David was not too young. You are not too young if Jeremiah was not too young. Remember now your creator in the days of thy youth. Who shall I? I started preaching at the age of 25. I was 25 when I started traveling this whole country. 25 years old. I got saved in 1980. I started preaching in 1982. I was born in 1957. For your information. <laughs> so for 25 years. Now I am going to be 60 this year. So for 35 years. That is what I have done with my life. No single regret. Life should not be lived with regret. Right on earth or in heaven. Number three. Another reason why some people, some people are not responding to whom shall I send, where will I, whom shall I send, who shall go for us is that they say and they assume that the time has not yet come. They say and assume. There was a man who went to hell in the Bible, a king. Acts 24-25. Apostle Paul was preaching to this man about temperance, righteousness, and repentance. And the man was shaking. The man trembled. And the man said to Apostle Paul, please go. When I have a more convenient time, you can come back. Do you know the man never had a second opportunity? Someone say, is it time now? Yes. That is why I'm making the call. Psalm 95, verse 7 and 8. It says, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Second Corinthians 6, 2. Now is the acceptable time. Now. Is the day of salvation. Oh, the time has not yet come. You think so? You think so? To everything under God, there is a time and a season. To every purpose under the heavens, God told me as I prepared this message, He said, For some people that will hear you to, to this morning, He said, It is the last chance for them to respond. I'm not saying that to threaten anyone. Some people say the time has not yet come. Whoever told you that? 
Jesus said in John 5, 25, the hour is coming and now is. Oh, start yourself of tomorrow. Proverbs 27, verse 1. Recently, we were talking in, in, in the United States, my friend and I, Joe Abanishe, we were talking about one of our young men in this town that we all grew up together. Joe Abanishe is a doctor in Arizona State. He was one of the original people in fellowship that I founded in 1983. And while we were talking about him, you know, in those days, we all spoke about ministry, and, and that guy said, I want to first of all finish my master's degree before I think about the call. He never even finished his first degree before he died. Boss not yourself of tomorrow because we don't know what tomorrow may bring. Ecclesiastes 12.1 Remember now your creator in the day of your youth. Let me say this to you. When I was praying yesterday, God says, tell them that their time is in my hand. And for me to give that call to them is because according to their time that is in my hand, I know it is time. Delay is dangerous. Today is the day of the wise man. Tomorrow is the day of the foolish man. The wise man sees what he needs to do today and does it. The foolish man says tomorrow. And tomorrow never sees after tomorrow. Let me say this to you. Immediately you miss the time to do something, it becomes increasingly difficult to do it. Immediately you miss the time. There is no time as beautiful as his time. In his time, Ecclesiastes 3, 11, he makes all things beautiful. Oh, the time is not yet. Who told you that? I always sing this song. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. I will rejoice. This is the day. Oh, you are telling, you are speaking as if to say you are God. It's not your time. What do you know? Even what's going to happen tomorrow, you don't know it. So why not now? Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Hosea 10, 12, so to your seven righteousness, ripping mercy, break up the fallow ground. It is time to seek the Lord. Whom will I send? Who shall go for us? Who will go for us? It's a clarion call. God says, I have so many things I want done on. You know, at times when I travel, at times in the nations of the world, I travel alone. Once in a while, I go with an assistant because the work is just so much. Sleep around 2, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., ministering to people, praying, counseling. I'm so tired, and I just say to myself, Lord, why don't you bring more people? He said, I'm trying to, but they won't budge. They are big. Many of them are becoming businessmen. And they are thinking we can't combine it. Some of them are saying the time has not yet come. Do not begin to say four months and then the harvest. He said, lift up your heads and look on the field. For the harvest is already ripe. The harvest is ripe. 
I was telling Minister Fisayo this. I was in a city known as Hamilton. So I had one of the messages that Fisayo preached. I got it for myself so I can listen to it so I can help him with it. So the pastor saw it and said, who is that? I said, it's one of my young ministers in Nigeria. He said, can I listen? So I gave it to him. He came back. When he came back, he shocked me. You know what he did? He prostrated. I said, what's happening? He said, please, please, please. Give this boy to me as my youth pastor. Please, please, please. You see, this is how he preaches. I said, even this one, he didn't preach well. He said, hey, hey, Papa George. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. I called Fisai. I said, somebody needs you here. Fisai said, no. The harvest is plenteous. The man has a church full of students, upcoming people. If you see, the, when they are doing prayer worship, it's like a disco hall. That's why I always stay in the office when they are doing prayer worship. I told her, I said, is this praise and worship or what is this? You know that he's a musician known as Ty Tribet. He went there. Even this year, that man who sang when our back was against the wall and we thought it was over, he's been there to do concert. So he has a vibrant, he listened to one tape. And was, the laborers are few. And you know what? In every one of us, there is a fissile. When I say there is a fissile, I'm not, I mean, fissile was just an ordinary member of this church who didn't know his left from right. But they said, here am I, Lord, send me. And now they are demanding of him to say they are begging a God. He said, please, as youth minister, he even called me yesterday. He said, where is the boy? I said, I said Pastor, or a young lady, I said, I'm making one. I'm making one. He's ready to do work visa. Everybody carry the daughter to carry the work. Visa say mbo unlo bigaka. Say yeah. He say he could see me in Monaco. A full milka. Laborers are few in Canada. What the Canada? Oh my wife said, "Kiri." You are saying the time has not yet come. When will it be now? When? Ask your neighbor. Say when. Say, when will it be if not now? <laughs> when will it be if not now? They say the time has not come. The Bible says redeeming the time. Let me tell you this. You don't have so much time in your favor. Let me say it again. You may think you have, but you don't. You don't. When I got saved, my case was like, I was growing spiritually and I was going in ministry. So who shall go for us? This morning I would like you to respond as to what you want to do with the remaining part of your life. What do you want to use your life for? Number four. Another excuse that people give which makes them not to answer here am I Lord send me is that they are looking for when the conditions are perfect. I was talking to a woman in one church. I said, how long have you been in this church? You said, I've been in church for 10 years. I said, I see since I've been talking to you and interacting with you, 
that you are gifted in many things. I can see you are smart, you are intelligent. I can even see that one of your children is one monitoring the projection, like this projection, is one of the woman's children. I say, well, he said, he sir, there are five conditions. He said, I want all the children to finish from school. I want to stop working for people and have my own business. And she gave me all the other conditions. And I looked at her and I laughed. I said, so those five conditions must be fulfilled. Before you now say, here am I, Lord, send me. I said, there is nothing like that. He that observed the wind, Ecclesiastes 11.4, will not sow. He that regard the cloud will not reap. In the morning, sow your seed. Anyone waiting for the conditions to be perfect, before you do something, will never do anything. Oh, when I finish from school, and I don't have to read again, and when I have a car, then I can be available. I can come to church anytime. And when I leave government work, you're waiting for perfect conditions. There are no perfect conditions. I told somebody, I said, go and join the department. I said, I don't want to join the department. I said, they gossip there. Oh, I said, you are looking for a perfect department. I said, there's no perfect department. There's no perfect church where they don't gossip. Look at your neighbor and say, gossip. You know what it means to gossip? To tell somebody about something or somebody who is not part of the problem or who is not part of the solution. Whenever you are telling somebody about something and that person you are talking to is neither a part of the problem or a part of the solution, what you are doing is what is called gossip. The conditions will never be perfect. Forget it. When everything will be magnificent, when everything will be beautiful and everything will be more smooth too. Your husband by your side, your car, your, your, car, your, your job, everything. Uh -huh. Start small. Think big. Begin from where you are to the place where you are going. Who shall go for us? You are unemployed. That is the time to come forward. You are divorced. That's the time to come forward. You've lost your job. That's the time to come forward. Because there is no perfect condition. And there will never be a perfect condition for you to do what you need to do. If I waited until many questions were settled, if I waited until I had a car before I preached, if I waited until I had a house before I could do this or do that, I will never have done anything. Start with what you have. Ecclesiastes 9.10 Whatever your hand find to do Do with your might With all might Though your building was small Job 8.7 Your latter hand should greatly increase The conditions don't need to be better than this They don't need to improve Let it be the way it is That is the time Start like that Step out like that Hey, but what I'm waiting for, I've not yet come. Keep quiet. That is why we make it come quickly. That is why we make it arrive. To him that laboreth, there's a sure reward. 
God is not the righteous to forget your labor of love. The condition that Isaiah was in here was a terrible condition. He said, whoa, read it, verse 5. Whoa is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live in the middle of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the king of glory. Imperfect condition. That is what is called faith. Imperfect situations. When the conditions are perfect. Number five. Why is it that people are responding the way they are responding? People's opinion. One of the things that can affect you when it comes to serving is people's opinion. When I responded, here am I, Lord, send me. My wife said no. I told my wife, I said, I have the call of God to put time ministry. He said, be careful. Because I suffered in my father's house. I didn't want to come and marry you and suffer too. I don't want you to. And please, they say everybody is called. Take time, small. Because she got born again before me. So she thinks I was, I was a baby Christian. But eventually, she understood. People's opinion. Proverbs 29, 25. It says, the fear of man bringeth a snare. Snare. Snare makes a trap. People trap. People's faces. Deuteronomy 117. He said, Be not be afraid of their faces. Ezekiel 3:8. God said, I'm going to make their face, your head strong against their forehead. When we started ministry in this time, I said, Here am I, Lord, send me. Some people are just laughing. You are mocking me. You are mocking me. But I never bothered. I never bothered. I was vice president of Full Gospel Businessman Fellowship. When I said, here am I, Lord, send me. People said, he thinks that all of us will follow him. People, you, you, are, you are bothered about people's opinion. You see, whenever you are bothered about what people will say, what people will think, what people will do, you will never ever respond to God right. You can't please God and please man. No disciple can serve two masters. If you're ready to please man, you never please God. When I was traveling all over in the beginning, when I was suffering, people had their opinions in this church. I know a woman in this church who told these church members that I was dealing in drugs. And I must understand when I travel more often, it's because I have to courier drugs. Did I allow that to affect me? No. The more she said it, the more I went. And the more I greet her when I'm coming and when I'm going. I know she will tell me go to Bay, not home. As a Christian, I've never seen drugs. The last time I saw drugs was in UI when I was a student. That was when I saw crack, saw heroin, saw cocaine. People's opinion. Paul says in Galatians 1.10, if I'm still bothered about people's opinion, I can never be a servant of God. You see, some of us, you are serving, for as long as I'm concerned, people with mouth will always use it. 
They will use it for good. They will use it for evil. And for every idle word, the men will speak. Matthew 12, 36, they will give an account of the day of judgment. The Bible says, no, but and you walk for Kaki. In Psalm 3, I think about 7 or so. People will talk. Hey, I don't like the way people are looking at me. I don't like the way people are, my husband is talking to me. I don't like the way my wife is looking at me. Does he relate, brother? A day will come when you will stand on the judgment seat, you will be alone. Romans 14, verse 12. When I started in this town, I was riding a motorcycle with my short sleeve. People thought I was mad. I told them I was going to the nations. They thought I was mad. One prophet came to my house, a prophet in this town. Prophet David Amedari, that's his name. He came to my house and he met us praying in tongues and dancing in the spirit. He laughed, he laughed, he laughed. He dropped on the ground. He said, Jack, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to the nation. Nation? The man said, I started my ministry in this time in 1977. I've not even gone to Ghana. You are telling me you are going to the nation. He said, is it on this motorcycle? Oh, why eight, four, oh, five, why you go? This motorcycle cannot reach your town offer. That was his opinion. God told me, he says, everybody is free to have their own opinion. He said, I too have my opinion of you. He said, what matters is my own opinion, not their own. That's what matters. Hey, I want you my woman. I want you my son. Come on, son. And they can go back, son, and go to Kudu. Let them say, one woman in our compound of her, at the age of 52, she had a baby. And when she was going to name the baby, the name of the baby was called Bertie. So whatever, after she had the baby, she'd be carrying the baby around. Ah, oh my, you know. Very, 52 years. So when you say, kill her, come on, Bertie. Hey, kill her, you The name spoke. Whenever people hear that, Who shall go for us? Who shall I send? You know, I have such a heart for people. And I have such a heart for the world. The nations of the world. I know the nations like I know my parents. When my daughter and her husband were relocating, they said, we are going to so and so place. They said, they have never had it before. I said, I have a pastor there. That I know. He's a doctor. I gave them the address. That is the person they are working with now and staying with. I still spoke to them yesterday. I know the nations like the back of my hand. I tell people that. But you see, whenever I go there, I don't just do my bit. I see the need. If you say, here am I, Lord, send me. Take a shake, fellow, wash along. How about you? How about you? I'm Look at your neighbor and say, do like this. With means, here am I, Lord, send me. A boy here won American lottery. Didn't know anybody in Dallas. I sent him to a pastor. The pastor took him as my son. And he sent him to do master's degree. 
The boy finished master's degree. He's now working and married and living in Dallas. He was a member of the church. That's the only thing. He never knew anybody. The parents are in Saboke here. I was the one who gave him. I just called the man. One call. Just, just one call. In fact, I think what they call text. It will be a privilege. I know the nations like that. God took me to the nations because of you. I, what do I need again in the nations? So that the connection can be made. But if you don't do this, here am I, Lord, send me. Take off her wash, Lord. No one will set off her wash. So, what can you buy? God has granted me favor. I have labored, prepared the ground for you. And the clarion call is, Whom shall we send? Who shall go for us? Us! God was talking like divinity. Us! The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God. Us! Who shall go for us? And the prophet of God answered, and I answered, and I said, here am I. Lord, send me. There are so many aspects to ministry. So many aspects. The most popular one is pastor. That's why Babalao, they are doing it. I walk back, they are doing it. Spiritistic people. Who brought to the pastor talk. Open official foundation in church. Say they are doing pastor. There are so many aspects to ministry. And I wish so many more people would get involved. People's opinion. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4.3, he said it's a small matter for me. People's opinion, small matter. Public opinion means nothing to me. That's why I'm not on social media. What is highly extreme among men before God is abomination? Social media and this, uh, I just did this now. Uh, Look at my hips, look at my face. Inna, inna, inna. Inna to togbo na buruku. I'm now, I always tell people, I saw, I saw somebody who was traveling to New York for the first time. He, he now took a picture of himself in a New York hotel. See, I'm in my hotel now in New York. I look at the hotel, Super Motel 6, $30 a night. So tell it here. Hotel, you come. Short time, you look at the Super six. <laughs> I'm in my hotel now and I'm enjoying I think I'm not rooting ready. Yeah, that's the point. That's the point. That's the point. Whom shall I send? Who shall go for us? Here am I. Let me give you one more. Your money has actually finished. The six excuse people give is that it is difficult. It's difficult. Now let me say this for you. Working for God is not more difficult than working for men. Let me say it again. Don't give anybody the impression that because you are working for God is more difficult. No. God himself said through Christ, Matthew eleven thirty, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Who shall go for us? 
In the beginning, it will be difficult. If you are going to go somewhere you have never gone, if you are going to do what you have never done before, it will be difficult. But let me say this to you with divine backing. Because God will never send people who are unaided. God will never send you with a vision if there is no provision. Someone asked me, say, ah, Baba, Baba, let's say in Kopu. Now, when you surprise it, you say, Kopu. Me, Kopu, at all. I cannot remember when last I said, take in Kopu, take in Kopu. Why don't I Kopu? I'm on eagle's wings. He said, you will go to the place and the word I give you. So I'm going to the place and the word is giving me. His hand is underneath. His presence is upon me. His glory is round about me. The angel I encounter and them that trust in him. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs 22, 13, the statue man saith, there is a lion without. I will be slain in the streets. You have so much in you to cause you not to sink. It's like a football. You know when you put air into a football, and you throw it in the water, it can't sink. Because it has something inside it that makes it float. What makes someone float or sink is what is inside you. First John 4, 4 you have got little children and have, uh, and have overcome them. For greater is he that is in you. Who are that great mountain before Zerubbabel? That shall become a plain. So it's difficult. It's not much. Look, let me say this to you. <laughs> One boy in this church some years ago, he was a spinster. See, Baba, how difficult can get spinster? How difficult can get spinster? How difficult Baba. So when he got married, after nine months, how difficult can marry you? So he waited for having children for about two or three years. He said, oh, difficult. Can you wait after I'm already 30 people? Oh, difficult. So when he had a baby, Baba, oh, difficult. Lati Loma. Ah, Soma. Eh, wa o niyo, wa ni difficult. John 1, 16. And of his fullness have all we received. What? Grace for grace. This morning, this early afternoon, I'm going to give a call. And all I'm asking you to do is to respond to God. Whom shall we send? Let me say this to you. Whether you know it or not, in the books of God, there is something against your name. You may not have realized it. You may not have discovered it. You may have discovered it, but still resisting it. Stop the fight. I've seen many people in this church fight it. It's stupidity to fight your maker. It's a waste of time. That urge has been there. I'm not saying you should leave your school. I'm not saying you should stop working. I'm only saying, you're going to say to God, here am I. Lord, send me. 
I was in a town recently in Alberta, Alberta region of Canada. I visited all the seven provinces in Canada, all of them. I preached everywhere. I was visiting one province like that, Alberta, and I saw this man. He had finished his fourth degree in Nigeria. He said he was going to do master's degree and PhD. He finished master's degree. He finished PhD and was pastoring this church. So I went there. And when I got there, he said, Sir, I want to ask something. He said, Is it possible for God to send me here as a missionary and not that I should do PhD? I said, the Bible says in Jeremiah 10, 23, this I know the will of man is not in himself. He's not a man that why. I said, what makes you feel like that? He said, I have lost interest in the, I finished PhD. I got my PhD certificate a few days ago. He said, I have lost interest. I said, what's your interest now? Here am I, Lord, send me. He said, is this possible? I said, answer. Only it's likely it's possible. I said, so what will you do? He said, I'm throwing aside my certificate and I want to go to the nations of the world and be a blessing to humanity. When he said that with tears running down my eyes, I hugged him. I prayed with him. And I told him, to the ends of the earth will you go? Because people like you are needed. He has educated himself. He's very refined. If you see his English, if you see his dressing, pa, 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 not even like me, but she say, how are you, right? His own English is very good American pronunciation. God trained him for himself. You've forgotten that God made you for himself. Isaiah 43, 21. These people have I formed for myself. Whatever gifts or graces he gave you, he gave you because of himself. You are making so much money from it. But God gave it to you because of himself. May the Lord grant you understanding. May you be able from the depth of your heart respond to God and say, here am I. Send Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Nobody's looking left or right. I want someone on the keyboard. Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send. I want you to bow your head and your hearts to God and talk to God. For the Lord wants somebody. Here am I. Send me, here am I, send me, here am I, send me, the Lord wants somebody. me now. Here am I, use me. Here am I, use me. Here 
Sing it here, I'm up. of God. I'm going to give the altar call right now. Whom shall I send? Who shall go for us? If you are saying here am I, don't stand up and come out here now. If you are saying here am I, Lord, send me. Stand up wherever you are and come here right now. Here am I. Send me here am I send me for the Lord for the Lord want somebody here am I come on here am I Lord here am I oh yes so God Space here, come this way for the Lord. Lord come on, talk to the Lord. Here am I, use me, Lord. Use me, oh, yes, oh God. Tap into the anointing. Tap into that. 
Ministers, we are going to sing that song, and I just want you just go around and lay your hands. Believe God by contact and transmission. As hands are laid, the presence of God, the power of God, what makes difference will rest upon these ones. So, my ministers, step forward, step forward. We are going to sing that song. We are going to take it. And as we are singing the song, just lay hands. Just lay hands on their head, not shoulder. On their head. My head, that anointed with oil. My cup, overflow. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. Forever. Now sing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, yes,
hands have been laid on you as we sing that song you can stand up and go back to your seat if hands have not been laid on you you move to the front said yes Lord we have said here am I send me Lord you have heard thank you do you know this song you provide the sacrifice you provide the fire I provide the sacrifice do you sing it here fill me up Lord fill me thy shakums we are going to sing that song, just a song of sacrifice. The Bible says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. As you hear that song, wherever you are, you can take any posture. It's going to provide the fire, will provide the sacrifice. You provide the spirit, I will open up inside. Fill me up, Lord, fill me up, Lord, fill me up, Lord. We're going to sing that song for a little time and then we are going to run out the service. But we want to sing that song because we're going to put the icing on the cake. Let me say this. For those of you who came out, you have made an important decision that you should not go back on. It's now time to get into YMTS properly. 
and begin to get trained. I want you to put down your names so that the names can be sent to me so I can pray over you and on you from time to time, wherever I may be. Make sure you put down your name, if possible, your telephone number, your email, so that I can be praying over you consistently. And then lock into YMTS. Put yourself wholly onto it so that your prophecy can appear. You have to give much more of yourself into it. You have said, yes, Lord, I'm here. And I can assure you, you begin to see the effect of it. You begin to see the difference of the sacrifice you have made today. I trust God. He spoke to me overnight. And as I waited on him for this word, and he told me, give it to them. I sent you, and you have received it. And all you need to move, mix faith with it. And you'll see how your life will turn out. But just make sure you are available. If you have a gift that you believe can be used in the church, put it at the disposal of the church. Let the church be aware of what you can do. And if there is an avenue already, fine. If there is no avenue, we'll create an avenue so that you can give expression to what gifts God has given you. We're going to sing that song by Tasha Combs. Just very few lines. We're just going to worship God from the bottom of our hearts. You'll provide the fire. I'll provide the sacrifice. Yes, so Lord. Yes, so Lord. You'll provide the spirit.
Him more in our services, He wants us to sing and praise Him more. So, we are going to increase the number of minutes that we use in our services and praising and worshiping God. He says, You have not been worshiping me enough, 
you have not been worshiping me enough and that's what we are going to do we're going to create extensive time more time to worship god we're going to add to the number of minutes that we have been using to worship god in our services if you have been using 20 minutes we increase it to 30 35 using 35 minutes we increase it we increase it he said i want to worship me more and you'll see me move among you you see me do terrible things in righteousness you see me manifest my glory and my praise in my tabernacle you see me show myself strong even stronger yes yet the lord that i have ever done and you sense the heavy presence of my spirit in your services and you will experience more of my finger and my touch and my strange works amongst you as you worship me more as you bow down and that smoke of worship sacrifice of your lips come before my throne into my nostrils i shall receive them and be satisfied and by terrible things in righteousness will i answer and show myself amongst you save the lord god hallelujah thank you father thank you lord god hosanna is your name hallelujah blessed be the name of the lord every head is bowed every eye is closed if you are born again and you are speaking in tongues you speak in tongues normally in other words you are born again you are filled with the holy spirit and you speak in tongues please raise up your hand please if you don't speak in tongues don't raise up your hand at all we are going to pray for you right now for those of you whose hands are raised, open your eyes, look left, right, center, behind, in front of you. If there is anybody whose hand is not raised, just put your hand on their shoulder and say, please, brother, or please, sister, go to the front. Let them pray with you. Can you come, please? Because you have a right to overflow. Come quickly. Encourage them. Encourage them. Tell them. Give way. Give way. Come, 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 come. Encourage them. Encourage them. Yes, yes, wherever they are. Touch them and say, go to the front. Let them pray for you. Let them pray with you. You need this touch. You need this change. You need this. You need this anointing. That's such a strong anointing in this service today. Such a gracious presence of Almighty God. Wow. Wherever you are, please come right now. Come right now. The Spirit and the Bride is saying, come. The Holy Ghost is we you and we the Bride. We are also we you. He said, come. Come right now, wherever you are. If you are in the gallery for whatever reason, come right now. We are waiting for you. We want to pray with you so that you can be baptized in the Holy Ghost and begin to speak in tongues. Fill with the Spirit forever, moving in the ability of God's power. Never again an ordinary person. You become extraordinarily natural. By your head, those of you in front, Father God, thank you for drawing them like magnets. Thank you for bringing them here. Thank you for what you have in mind. Thank you because of what you are going to accomplish. Thank you for sorting them out. Sorting them out. They are still coming. Thank you for sorting them out. Thank you for a brand new beginning. Thank you for your precious spirit, oh God. They will never be the same again. Let the anointing break every yoke. Let your presence make the difference. Let them be filled to overflowing. Let your grace rest upon them. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We worship, we praise, we glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Look at me here. Congratulations. God bless you for coming. Amen. Somebody give them a God bless you. You see that brother there? He's called brother Aro Jesu. That's his name. You will follow him. He will take you to a room behind. We are going to come there, talk to you, pray for you, and lay hands on you. You'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. you speak in tongues. And please don't go home. We have some special food and drinks for you. God bless you. Shall we make our way like this? Fill me up till I overflow. Fill me up till I overflow. Fill me up till I Just keep singing that song. It's such a full song. <laughs>